sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. There are stormy seas, massive storms, massive winds just blowing, and the church is like a, a boat, a big boat, and these these waves are crashing against the church. The winds of the world are, are blowing all over the world and, and the world is in those waves. And the church is, is experiencing the pushing of the waves and the pushing and the blowing of these winds. And the idea is this, the spirit of this world, the winds of this world wants to blow the church, this big boat off course. And into the rocks. To crash against the rocks. To be a shipwreck. That's what the enemy wants. The spirit of this world wants to cause a shipwreck. And we're seeing it. We're seeing so many churches losing their way. Going off track and shipwreck. Empty church buildings. Especially like in Europe. Many traditional churches who haven't changed, haven't adapted, haven't embraced the fullness of the spirit, they die. But the big reason this is happening is because the boat needs an anchor, a massive anchor to keep it anchored so it doesn't blow into, into those rocks. What is that anchor? That anchor is the truth of God's word. That anchor is the key to keep us on track. And if we lose the truth, if we no longer believe the word of God for what it is, the truth is like lifting up that anchor and the winds will just blow it into a shipwreck. Okay, and if that happens, if we lose the truth and if we lose the love, there will be no transformation. But the word of God says such were some of you. Okay, so we're going to get to that. But I want to lay a foundation and recap a little bit from two weeks ago. I was sharing about this concept when love and truth meet. That's where Jesus shows up. That's where transformation happens. Love plus truth. Come on, say love plus truth. Love Plus truth. Okay, so here's a quote by Eberhard Arnold. He said, truth without love kills. But love without truth lies. I unpacked that a few weeks ago. Just want to highlight one or two things about this again. But so truth without love kills. So it's like, a patient and a doctor. Doctor wants to help the patient with their cancer. Truth without love is like the doctor taking a sledgehammer. Hold still. Let me help you. Okay. It's just going to inflict damage. People will run away from God when we have truth without love. It won't heal the wound. You need a scalpel to cut out that problem and to bring healing. In the same way, love without truth Lies. Come on, say lies. Lies. It's like there's a blind man and he's on his way to walk off a cliff. 
and he has his stick and he's walking. And you love the guy. You have compassion on the guy. So you don't want to say anything that would offend him. So you're like, I back you. Love you. Believe in you. Go for it. You're doing well. Yes. 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 That's love without truth. We're helping people into oblivion. There's no transformational power when the gospel loses the truth. And there's also no power when the love is missing. It just offends and hurts. So we need both. Okay, so this is one of the principles we need to apply in life is we need hearts of compassion, backbones of steel. Hearts of compassion, but backbones of steel. We are anchored. We're not moving. We're not changing the truth. We're not watering down the word of God because we want to help. We want to say, hey, you're on your way to a cliff. You're going to die. Stop. That's love. But love without truth is a lie. It's the same in our relationships. If you really love somebody, you're going to give them the truth. If you're a parent, you're speaking to your boy, your teenage boy, your teenage child, you're going to tell them this kind of behavior. If you extrapolate this, I see trouble. How do I know this? Because I am older than 16. I've been through life. I see this. So you love your child enough to obviously believe in them, encourage them. But you give them the truth. You sit them down and say, my boy, let's talk. This is trouble. Okay, so so love speaks the truth. And also truth without love kills. Okay, so we need both of those. So I want to share four principles. Transformational truths. Lay a bit of a foundation first. I'm going to show you a few exciting video clips. Okay. And we're going to go a few interesting places, and uh, it's going to be good. Praise God. Okay, so transformational truth number one. Our creator gives the context. Our creator gives the context. In other words, the creator is the source of both love and truth. We can't find it in ourselves. He is love And he is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Amen? Okay? So we have to find context in the creator. The creator is the one who gave us life. He's love. How do we know he's love? Because he gave us life. You know, he, he gave you the ability to see with your eyes. You can see all the colors of life. Why? Because he loves you. And he's a good God. He's, God is good. He's always good. He's only good. He gave us, gave us eyes to see. He gave, gave us feelings like, like touch sensitivity so you can hold somebody's hand and experience love and life and affection. He gave us taste buds so that we can enjoy food. He gave us breath in our lungs so we can worship him and enjoy life. He is good. Amen. Come on, say God's good. He's good. He's only good. He is always good. Amen. But the world says, uh-uh, millions and billions of years of random chance made you. Your great granddaddy was a monkey. 
I'm like, let's think about that. Genetics, you copy genetics from one generation to the next. So let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. Monkey does not make sense. Okay, you are designed, you've got a hundred trillion cells in your body. We have specialists that need to study like 15 years just to figure out parts of what, how your eye functions. Designed, complex, complicated, and it's, and it's a gift from heaven. You, your body is designed. You are loved. God made you, designed you, and gave you the gift of life. He is good. It's not just, you know, evolution is a fairy tale for grown-ups. That's just the truth. So we need to anchor ourselves in the word of God. And this critical principle of truth is that our creator gives the context. He gives life and then he gives us the rules, the principles, the context of how we should do life. In other words, he gives us definitions of what he has given to us. He gives us boundaries for how we should use what he has given to us because he is the creator. Amen. So a good starting point for all of us is I am not God. Come on, say it. I am not God. That's profound. Because a lot of people think they are God. They think they can redefine. They think they can decide and do whatever they want to do. Because why? It's like almost like they've made themselves God. So a beautiful starting point for experiencing the transformational power of Jesus Christ is humility. I'm not God. My life is short. There's 160,000 people that die today. There's 55 million people that die every year. Your life is a breath. God is eternal. You are not. So humility is the starting point to come to the word of God and to say, Lord, you're the creator. Thank you for the gift of life. I am not God. I humble myself under your word. I can't rewrite your word. I can't change your word. And that's so important. So some of the things I'm going to share today is going to be challenging. Don't fight with me. Go fight with the creator. I'm not going to change his word. This is his word. Spoke to a, a lady this week and uh, she was like, I was, she was a believer like 50, 40 years ago, did Bible school. And she told me she's no longer a believer. She doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. Doesn't believe in the Bible. That's the word of God anymore. And so I asked her, so, um, so how do you know what's true? And she said, no, it's my truth. What I feel, what I believe is my truth. But if I say, if, if that is so, then there is no truth. Because your truth, my truth, it's contradictory, but it's both right. That's stupid. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. There must be a standard of truth. We are created. There is a God. Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the only one that claimed to be God, died on the cross, said he's going to die, and he's risen from the dead 500 people saw him raised from the dead. They saw him. This is real history. And they died for what they saw. They died for, they proclaimed Christ crucified and risen. That's the truth. There's so much evidence. 
But I, I, I knew afterwards, after I spoke to this lady, I knew that she has, she has all these arguments. But I tell you, it's the arguments. That's not the issue. I guarantee you she's been wounded. She's been disappointed. She's been offended. And there are underlying emotions driving her arguments against God. That's how it works. Underlying unhealthy emotions drive the arguments to say, I don't believe. But all the evidence is there. So the creator gives the context and our response is we humble ourselves. Look at this. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It says, first this. God created the heavens and the earth. All you see and all you don't see. First this. He is the source. He is the origin. He is the giver of life. And because he's the creator, he has the right to define how life, what life should look like and how it should function. Other translations say, it speaks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is the starting point. You and I, small. God, big. Also a good place to start. Humility. Amen. So we need to humble ourselves. And so the creator comes and reveals to us love and truth and definitions and boundaries. He reveals what is true. Okay, number two. Truth that transforms. Number two. Truth anchors. But emotions lead astray. The truth anchors us. But emotions lead astray. You cannot Trust your emotions. Who has ever felt something in their emotions that wasn't true, that wasn't reality? Anybody? It's just, I'm going to give you just one example. Ever been in love? Hormones, emotions. (gasps) Oh, he's perfect. You're deceived. He's not perfect. And that is not love, that's just emotions. When does love kick in? When you see all the flaws and you count your cost, you count the cost, you count the cost. Oh God, I'm going to carry his children and I'm going to all these things for the rest of my days. And you choose love. I'm going to love him with all his stuff. That's love. Amen. Emotions lie. Love Embraces the truth. And that's why I've been saying it and I'll say it again. You need to work through the hormones and the emotions. And that takes time until you see the flaws. And then you choose love. Amen. Okay, so emotions lie. The truth anchors us. Okay, so I shared this two weeks ago. But the truth is like the engine of the train that must lead the way. Emotions is the caboose that needs to follow. You need to get, if, if, if emotions is the engine, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. Because you're married and you feel, well, I like the other woman. Let's just run with those emotions. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Pain. When we ignore the word of God, pain is the result. I often say this, but, you know, that's why the word of God gives us context for relationships, gives us boundaries for love and sexuality. And so the Lord gives us these contexts. And he says, like, in the scriptures, do not commit adultery. Why? Because I love you enough to give you the truth. I love you. And I say, don't do it. 
It's going to hurt. So try it out. No, don't try it out. <laughs> but you can test it. Ask somebody. Loving relationship. Wife, trust the husband. There's intimacy. There's trust. There's good, wonderful fellowship. Partnership. It's beautiful. Husband commits adultery. Wife finds out. Result? Broken trust. Loads of pain. Unbelievable pain. I know because my parents, my dad did that. I know. I saw that. I saw my parents fight when I was grade three, four, running to my room and crying and like, what's happening? And I'm like, you're going to divorce. And my dad comes and sit next to me and say, no, we will never divorce. And then they divorce. You ignore the rules. You ignore the boundaries. You ignore the principles. You ignore the word of God. You're going to have pain. You're going to have pain. That's how it works. Okay. You can ask many people. You can interview them. That is how it works. Okay, so there's a guy called Rabbi Schneider, who's a, who's a believer in Christ. And he said, here's a quote, people get so connected with their emotions and their sympathy or compassion for people that they allow their emotions to carry them over to a place. I want to say it again. Allow their emotions to carry them over to a place where they are taking a position against the word of God. We justify it. We live together outside of marriage, committing sin. And how do we justify? Well, we're going to get married. (sighs) You can live however you want to live. I'm just like, just don't pray to God. Repent. (laughs) Repent. And then I speak to people that say they pray every morning. And I want to say, I'm saying it now just for everybody. Repent. Turn from your sins. Why on earth will God listen to whatever you want to hear, but you're living in blatant disobedience to his word? You are deceived. You're deceived. You're praying to another God. That is not the God of the Bible. You need to repent. You need to align your life with the word of God. But it says they're taking a position against the word of God because of our emotions. But we love one another. And all these reasons. We can't change the message. Even though it is extremely difficult when you want to do something that is sin. But you instead pick up your cross to follow Jesus. Amen. The Christian message is counterculture. The Christian message is counter the winds of this world. It is uncomfortable. It is convicting. It is hard. That's why you need Jesus. That's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you to live a holy life, to obey God and to follow him. If you want relationship with God, again, you can live however you want to live. But I would advise following the Lord, pick up your cross, pick up your cross. means lay down self, lay down your emotions that are not aligned with the word of God. Lay down desires that are not aligned with the word of God and the Lord will bless you. He will bless you. Amen. So there are, it really is a wacky world at this stage. I mean, even if you ask the question these days, what is a woman? We have no idea. We have no idea. For thousands of years we knew, but now after all our science and all our learning and all the billions of information on the internet and the books and everything, we've come to the conclusion we don't know what a woman is. I mean, like seriously, some people, they can't answer that question. What happened? So, 
The winds of this world wants to redefine God's definitions. Okay, so we're going to look at that in a moment. But I want to show you a video clip. Uh, There's a satire of what it would look like if we get the roles wrong. If we ignore God's ways. A little bit extreme, but it's to make a point. Okay? Let's play. Toxic masculinity is a problem. Hi, my name is Jerem Hoff. I've been married for 12 years and I am a feminist. You know, a lot of men have trouble saying that they're a feminist because they think it's emasculating or something, but not me. I believe that men and women are equal. Anything I can do, my wife can do too. The idea that just because I have testosterone, I'm better at things is reductive. And quite frankly, it's insulting. How do you get that tire changed yet? I've, uh, I mean, the, the guys for a brewski in about 20 minutes. So if we could move that along, that'd be fantastic. By tossing aside the shackles of the patriarchy, we both benefit. I get more time to play video games made for children, and she gets more time to do the things that she loves to do, like my laundry. Spider! Honey, there's a spider! Big, hairy. I'm a good husband. Some say that chivalry is dead, but I say you can be chivalrous and a feminist at the same time. See? A thank you would be nice. Society has told me my whole life, be a man or man up. But feminism has rewired my brain to say woman up or girl power or plunge that toilet, woman. I just hope that I can play a small part in dismantling these institutions for the next generation. I make sure that my daughters know that they can do anything. Hey, how's that firewood coming, sweetie? It's going to be a cold winter. So learn from us. My wife and I are proof that you don't have to fall into problematic gender roles in your marriage. Isn't that right, honey? Give me all your money! Here's a gun! Honey, do something. Be the change you want to see in the world by standing up to the systemic power imbalances between men and women by standing up to this man while I run away. <laughs> Thanks, feminism. You saved my life. Yeah, I told my wife, I want to do this. This just looks awesome. <laughs> you see, male and female, same value, different function. I love to honor my wife. I love to do the hard things at home that is not for her. I, I want to treat you like my princess, my queen. You know, I want to be, I want to do the things that, that, that honors and values her. There's nothing wrong with that. That is actually God's original plan for us. So Genesis 1, 26. You know, you see this now in, 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 in many, many movies. Like this world is a, uh, has an agenda to break down men. So they want to lift up women, which is good. But then they break down men. I'm like, some movies, I'm like, oh my goodness, these men are useless. <laughs> it's not very inspiring. And I'm like, why do they have to break down? Let's build up everyone. Honor men for who they are in God, made and designed by God. And honor women for who they are and designed by God. So verse 26 in Genesis 1, it says, let us make human beings. This is the original, this is creation. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting 
our nature, reflecting the nature of God. So man, woman, reflecting the glory, the, the nature of God. So they can be responsible for the fish, the birds, the cattle, earth itself, and every animal. Verse 27. God created human beings. Created. Come on, say created. Created. That means, again, we're responsible unto the one who created us. He created them God-like. And it says in his image to reveal his, his image. Then it says they're reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. Boom. This wasn't so revolutionary 10 years ago. But now this is very revolutionary because people are not confused. They say there's hundreds of genders currently. Male, female. Beautiful. Either you're male or you're female. So if you look in the mirror and you see a boy, you're a boy. If you look in the mirror and you see a girl, you're a girl. And then a man, there's... Some men are a little bit more feminine, but that doesn't make them a woman. It's just on the spectrum, they might be a little bit more feminine. Some women might be a little bit more masculine, but they're still a woman. Okay? And so there's a lot of confusion about these things these days. So, I mean, so my mom, she embraced feminism in the 70s, 80s. And, I, and, and feminism was, a, obviously, the noble side is we want to uplift women. That's beautiful. But it causes competition. It causes a fight. It causes not the, only the uplifting of the one. It causes the breaking down of the other. And that's unhealthy. And so even yesterday at a freedom encounter, there was a moment where well, as I was praying, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, some people here, they hate the opposite gender because of past hurts. A guy was rejected by a girl when he was primary school, high school. Now he hates women. And that causes emotional Damage, unhealthy emotions, and obviously hatred opens the door to the enemy. And some women hate men for what they did to her. And so it leads to hatred, and it opens the door to evil in one's life. And so we actually evaluate, do I actually hate, do I despise the opposite gender? Because the enemy is always in breaking down. He wants to break down women, wants to break down men. God always wants to build up. And so my, I remember this years ago, my dad told me the story when they were still relatively young, married, my parents, um, my dad was a business guy and he, uh, they were at a restaurant and he was hosting uh, very important business people. I think it was international guys. I don't know, but it was business people, like high level business guys. And so my mom, she's a journalist, editor at a newspaper. She's uh, very focused on grammar. And he's, he told me this years later and he said, he told us, my dad told a story. He was always like very connecting with people, told the story. And then he got his grammar incorrect. He said something incorrect. And so my mom corrected him in front of all of these important people. Because that's the thing what you do, you know, is like you tell, you tell the man, you're wrong, you know. And my dad shared with me how when he, when they drove home that night, he screamed at my mother the whole way home, shouting at her. And he didn't know why. I know now why. Because a man is wired for respect. That's how we are wired. You, a man's love language is respect. You speak respect, the man's heart opens up. You disrespect, 
a man's heart shuts down and he freaks out. That's a man's love language. That's how God wired a man. And a woman is wired for love, obviously for respect as well, but more than that, for love, for kindness. When a man is kind, a woman's heart opens and she flourishes. And so we need to understand how male and female are wired by God. But the world is saying there's no difference. There is no difference. Well, (laughs) have fun with that. Let's see how that marriage works. Let's see how those... It doesn't work. It's a disaster. And so we have to get back to the roots. The creator gives the context. We ignore that at our own peril. So here's a great, another satirical uh, video I want to show you. The, the, the context is, what if they were aliens and they were coming from another planet to look at what's happening on planet Earth? General Vlorg of the planet Graxon 5 has visited Earth, but he's having trouble understanding humans as he's never encountered a species with so many genders. Earth leaders try to explain. Let's play. And it's a joke. General Floyd, thank you for agreeing to meet with us today. Ah, yes, you are most welcome. Giving you a chance to beg and plead for mercy before we destroy your planet is my favorite part of the job. No, please, don't destroy us. We don't deserve this. (laughs) The looks on their faces. It's a hoot. Uh, Perhaps we should start out by introducing ourselves. Uh, I'm Chief of Space Operations, General Foreman. Uh, He, him. Under Secretary of State, Angus Miller. He, him. Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Amanda Williams, she, her. And what exactly is a Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer? It's my job to be a black woman. Well, good job then. And what is this, this he, him, she, her, of which you are all speaking? Those are our gender pronouns, so you know which gender we identify as. Uh, I appreciate that, but I am pretty good at telling the difference between the two genders. A man, man, woman. Hmm. Nailed it. That was a lucky guess. But there are way more than just two genders. Fascinating. We've been probing humans for years, and we have only discovered the two. Uh, How many uh, genders are there? 172. It's hard to know, really. It's changing all the time. So, your species is evolving that rapidly. Remarkable. Uh, Perhaps while you are sitting here, you will grow additional limbs or develop the ability to breathe underwater. Um, No, that's not what we meant. It's too bad. I breathe underwater. It's a lot of fun. If you threw 20 pennies into a pool, I could dive down and pick them all up without ever once resurfacing. Boom. What, no applause? So, what are these genders, and how do they function? Function? I don't understand. Why, yes. On uh, my planet, uh, the female gender is the giver of life, raising and nurturing our young, preserving our civilization for eons to come, while the males mostly just mow our space lawns and make multiple trips to space Home Depot. What you are talking about is sex. Gender is something different. Exactly. People can identify with genders different than their natal sex or with none at all. But why? It's... It's just the way we feel. No! It was the way we were born. Well, of course, a lot of times they don't realize how they were born until someone tells them. Someone like a teacher or social media influencer. 
And uh, what exactly are these various genders? You, you, you have me very curious. Well, there's non-binary, which is someone who identifies as both genders. Doesn't saying identifies both genders imply that there are only two genders? Was it, no, no, it's shut up. Actually, it's genderqueer. That is the term that refers to people who identify as both genders. You know, like my nephew. I thought that was gender fluid, like my niece. No, no, that shifts around. No, bigender shifts around, like my stepson. Well, it can. Well, oh, unless you're Native American, in which case it's two-spirit. Like my cousin, who got into Harvard because he's one-sixteenth Native American. Oh, I understand. On this planet, there are people who are men, and people who are women, and people who are mentally ill. I can understand that it's confusing. It can be difficult to keep track of all the different genders. There's so many of them. You, there's there's gender vague, there's gray gender, demigender, oddigender, uh, omnigender, polygender, and about 10 different kinds of trans. And those are just the ones that my nephew has identified as in the last month. When I was. There's also bigender, which is two genders, those genders being male and female, or a combination of all genders, including agender, which is no gender at all. So space you interjection. can actually simultaneously be no gender at all plus a gender. Pretty cool, huh? The planet has no sign of intelligent life. Official recommendation, destroy. No, please don't destroy us. We don't deserve it. We... Oh, there's, there's that look. Well, sorry. So it was to reveal a few, a few aspects of uh, the, the confusion about gender. And uh, I just love that. That's just brilliant. Okay, so number one, our creator gives the context. Number two, truth anchors, emotions lead us astray. Number three, just to highlight this again, we need hearts of compassion for people's struggles, but we need backbones of steel. We need to stand on the truth of God's word. He made them male. He made them female. Okay. And so Romans 1 verse 16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the good news. That means backbone of steel. I'm not afraid to proclaim the truth of God's word because the world needs it. The world needs an anchor or it's just going to go into those rocks, into that shipwreck. And we see so many lives are struggling because they're not receiving the truth of God's word. For it says, for it is God's power working with salvation for deliverance from eternal death that's what is at stake an eternity without god to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance in jesus to the jew first and also to the greek the gospel only has power as long as we proclaim the truth if we just proclaim Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, and live however you want to live, there's no power for change. There's no power for transformation. In the same way, if we proclaim the truth but we lack love, there also won't be power. It won't move us. So I want to encourage us to embrace both of those. And part of the, the backbone of steel is we need to call sin what it is, according to the word of God. Sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. 
Sin is going outside God's boundary. Sin is redefining things according to man's opinion, the created being's opinion instead of the creator's truth. And so over the ages, we've seen this. The prophets, the church, with a voice of morality and of sanity and of divine order. And that leads to change in culture and in the nations of the earth. So Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, if you live outside of God's boundaries, if you walk in sin blatantly, unrepentantly, it's one thing to struggle with something, it's another thing to say this is okay. That's different. If you're blatantly disobeying God and saying God is okay with that, then you are serving another God, not the God of the Bible. It's a false God. But it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. You sin and keep on sinning without turning to the love and the goodness and the compassion and the mercy of God. There will be payment. There will be death. There will be pain, destruction, ultimately eternal death. And it opens the way. Sin leads to a curse and it opens the way to the demonic to deceive us, to possess us, and to lead us into a whole lot of pain. And the Lord wants to set us free. So we need to allow the word of God to speak to us. Don't let your emotions lead you. If the word of God says it's a sin, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, Lord, forgive me. And God, help me. Help me to break out of addictions. God, help me to break out of sinful patterns. God, help me. There is mercy. There is grace in the hands of God, in the heart of God. And so now I want to show you a video clip. This is not a funny one. This is a testimony of a man called Walter Heyer. And so Walter lived as a woman for eight years. He's quite oldish now. You know, so he's lived a long life and he shares a bit of his story of how he lived as a woman. He shared what went wrong when he was young. And then he shares how God intervened. This is so powerful. And I want I want to expose us to this so you can see the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's play. I lived eight years as Laura Jensen until I woke up and realized that it was totally insane to live this out. The the first time that it happened in the 50s was Christine Jorgensen, but Jenner took it to the next level and and then... 2015, it began to explode. Are you a woman? Um, yes, for all intents and purposes, I am a woman. My brain is much more female than it is male. Ladies and gentlemen, the courageous, the stunning Caitlyn Jenner. We're ruining an entire generation of children. I find even hearing about it and reading about it so repugnant and so destructive to children members of this family all love each other so proudly and they all bringing drag performers together with little kids is kind of a perfect relationship there are people whose gender might be a little bit of both or might even be neither and it's time that this stuff needs to end we need men and women to step up and say stop this nonsense born and raised in Los Angeles, California. You know, my upbringing was pretty much a typical California upbringing um, in, in Los Angeles in the early 40s. It wasn't really anything remarkable. 
at least not until uh, my dad began to take me over and drop me off at my grandma's house. Grandma was a seamstress and made dresses. And I became very curious about her work. And my curiosity led to her making me a purple chiffon dress that she made just to fit my perfect little four-year-old body. You know, at first it felt really exciting to have somebody telling me how wonderful and cute I was. But what I didn't realize was happening is the second grandma began to tell me how cute I looked in that purple dress, what she was really saying was that there was something radically wrong with the little boy that I really was. And so that begins this sort of creepy kind of psychological and emotional destruction that starts with inside a young boy, four years old, who doesn't know what the consequences are going to be about putting on a dress at four years old and keeping it a secret from my parents for nearly two years until I became so accustomed to wearing that purple dress that I decided to take the dress home so that I could put it on when my parents weren't watching and when I was alone and I could sort of listen and hear those affirmations. I became sort of addicted to the affirmations and hearing her say how cute I was. So I had the purple dress at home, but my mom found it, found it in my bottom dresser drawer. And she said, well, where did you get this dress? And I said, well, grandma made it. And that just blew the house up. My dad was upset. My mom was upset. It was supposed to be a secret. I broke the secret. And as a result of that, I could not go back to grandma's house without my mom or dad being with me. Dad didn't know what to do. His mother-in-law had just been cross-dressing his young boy. He was so angry at my grandmother that he took his anger out in his discipline on me and he started hitting me with a hardwood floor plank uh, when I would do something wrong. Sometimes he was just being way too critical, but it was that what was built up in him because of what happened to me. He did not know what to do. If you can imagine in 1946, 47, there's no information about kids wearing dresses. But the next part of the equation was his adopted brother, Uncle Fred, heard about me wearing the purple dress. And Uncle Fred decided that I was fair game to be sexually abused. Uncle Fred was not playing with a full deck of cards. And he'd get drinking a little bit and he would come looking for me and he would molest me. The emotional and psychological issues that I had from grandma affirming me, I didn't really realize the consequence of those for many years. The hardwood floor plank obviously was very devastating. And then the sexual abuse was sort of the cherry on top of the, the cake. I was a broken child before I was 10 years old. You know, I, I decided that maybe I should have been a girl, not realizing that that what I was trying to do was escape the abuse, not actually change who I was. But it resulted in me going through this process for many years of cross-dressing, going out in public as a female. And so I, I went through this with even in my first marriage. I had two children. I was an executive for American Honda Motor Company. I worked on the Apollo space missions as an associate design engineer. But that purple dress, the hardwood floor plank, and the sexual abuse was about to take everything away. Then the next critical step was struggling with my identity. I went to a gender specialist in San Francisco who promptly identified me with gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder and promptly told me that I needed hormones and surgery. That was 
the treatment that he was prescribing to help me end the cycle of distress I was having about my gender because of what happened to me as a young child. The doctor I went to, his name is Dr. Paul Walker. Dr. Paul Walker was a homosexual transgender activist. He felt his job was to do like they're doing today, is to introduce people to hormones and surgery as a process of treatment. Now, keep in mind, Dr. Paul Walker was not just your average therapist. Dr. Paul Walker was the author, the primary chairperson and author of the Harry Benjamin International Standards of Care, the very same standards of care that's being used today that's called WPATH Standards of Care. His agenda was pushing transgenderism, pushing surgery, and pushing hormones recklessly and really damaging someone's life like mine. I had kind of um, a devastating um, run of events. When I was struggling with alcoholism and drug addiction, uh, I went into a treatment facility as Laura Jensen and came out the other side, and I went through a two-and-a-half or three-hour therapy session with my psychologist. And during that day, I went through all of the things that had happened, the sexual abuse, the emotional abuse, the, the, the wrong idea about going through this procedure, all the things I'd done wrong, the destruction I did to my children and my ex-wife. And I writ, wrote everything down after speaking about these issues, and he put a match to those yellow line paper and, and in the parking lot, and those papers began to burn in the... The wind gently picked up the flame and, and the papers were burned up. And it was sort of that cathartic moment where you realized, okay, all of that stuff now is lifted off of my shoulders. And he said, let's go back into my office and let's pray. Well, I'll be honest with you. This guy prays a lot and he prays for a long time. And I did not want to go back in and pray with this guy because I figured I'd be there for like an hour praying. And as he prayed, um, I kept hearing him and I kept thinking, is he going to end? And then there was a point in time when I couldn't hear him praying anymore. And miraculously, what I saw at that moment that I couldn't hear his voice was I saw the Lord Jesus Christ actually descending toward me with his arms stretched out. And I looked in front of me and I saw that he was reaching toward a little baby. And I looked at the baby and I go, that baby is me. The Lord is coming to claim me and he turned to me and said your life will be safe with me forever and the Lord disappeared I realized at that very moment the Lord came to redeem and restore my life so that I will serve him every day after that date I wanted to restore my life bring myself back to reality so faith played the pivotal role in me being here today 35 years sober, uh, married 24 years, and I detransitioned over 30 years ago. Thank the Lord I've been very successful in providing help to many people. I haven't been able to help everybody, but I've been able to help a lot of people, and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm going to continue to speak out. I'm going to continue to work. I'm going to continue to try to help people who have no other place to turn and so I started a website called sexchangeregret.com. And I work every single day with either a parent, a father, uh, a transgender who has regret like I did. Uh, I work with psychologists. I work with college professors. I work with doctors. I work with lawyers. I am working 
to prevent people from going through this totally unnecessary, insane surgical procedure. And that's why I'm so passionate about trying to raise my voice and give people the opportunity to go, wait a minute, maybe this isn't right for me. And I'm going to continue doing it until the Lord comes and uh, takes me home. And uh, that's my mission is to stop people from unnecessary surgery and stop the advocates from lying to people about them being able to change their gender. Amen. How beautiful is that? That is the truth. Jesus transforms lives. I love how I say the encounter with Jesus. Say to him, your life is safe in my hands. I want to speak that over you. Your life is safe in the hands of God. In him, he heals our hearts. He heals our brokenness. He heals the things we've been through in the past. That is the love of God. But there is no freedom if we don't speak the truth. You cannot change your gender. You cannot have surgery to change your gender. You can't do hormones and suddenly you're a different gender. It doesn't work. I see so many uh, testimonies online of uh, one lady, girl, she was 15 years old, had her breasts removed because she felt she's a boy. Within a month or two, it's like, what have I done? It's absolutely destructive. And that's why we need to declare the truth with compassion. Say, hey, if you're struggling with things, let's help. There's help in Jesus. Amen? And so this is the truth that transforms number four. Ending with this, when Jesus is Lord, when Jesus is Lord, transformation follows. When love and truth meet, Jesus shows up and transformation follows. We need to embrace both. It's an unpopular message, but Jesus has called us to follow him. Doesn't matter how unpopular it is in the face of the world or in the, in the sight of the world, the truth sets free. And so, compassion, we need compassion. We need to, to understand what people have been through and their struggles. I just really felt this weekend, even as we were praying for people, so many people have been, ex- experienced brokenness when they were young. One guy shared like, you know, he had like five dads. Mom married five times. Dads were absent. Dads were abusive. Well, guess what? He's struggling with things in his life. You know, so many people have been molested as young people or or whatever it is. Those things affect us. But Jesus is here to heal. God has compassion. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. He wants to heal and set free. But we have to add the truth that Jesus heals broken hearts. Now, what happens is when we have trauma in our lives, something bad happens, we experience pain. And what do we do? We turn to idols. To comfort us. We turn to other gods. Whether it's alcohol or sex. Or entertainment. Or false go- false religion. Or whatever. We, we turn to something to find comfort. And that's why we need to address the idol. There's normally an idol. There's a false god behind it. And so 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Here's the truth. Okay. Unpopular scripture. Praise God. But it's the truth. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you live in disobedience to God, unrepentantly, heaven is not your destination. It says, do not be deceived. 
Do not be deceived. Don't allow your emotions or the opinions of the world to lie to you. Don't allow your emotions to lead you. Let the truth lead you. Submit your emotions to the truth. Then it says, neither fornicators, those who have sex outside of marriage, could be that sex has been become their God. Nor idolaters, those who embrace other gods or change the nature of God. So many people call themselves believers, but the God they're serving is not Jesus because he's okay with their sin. He affirms them in their sin. No, that's not Jesus. Nor adulterers. Their God might be pleasure. Nor homosexuals. Those who struggle with same-sex attraction. Making their sexuality their God and their identity. No, Jesus is Lord. Nor thieves. Those who make money their God. That's our problem in our country. All the corruption is because money and possessions have become our God. That's why there's corruption. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is the truth. Amen. Unpopular, but it's still the truth. And then the love comes, the compassion comes. Verse 11, ending with this. And then it says, and such were some of you. I love that. Such were some of you. Is transformation possible? Yes, such were some of you. Me, I was that. Making other things my God until I surrendered to the king of glory. And I said, Lord, you're God. I'm not. And I need you to save me. I need you to heal me. I need you to deliver me. I need you to set me free from all these addictions and nonsense in my life. And there's never been condemnation or guilt. He does not condemn or accuse. He says, hey, can I help you with that? I've made provision for this at the cross. He says, such were some of you. This is the transformational power of the gospel. But only when there's truth and love. Both, both. And he says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What does it justify mean? It means you are innocent. Wow. Lord, after all those things I've done, all those sins, when I blasphemed your name and I cussed you and I did all those ungodly things and now you've cleansed me and sanctified me, you've made me new, you've cleaned my heart. And now you're saying, I'm innocent. Wow. That's freedom. But you don't get there without embracing both the love of God and the truth. That's where Jesus shows up. That's where Jesus shows up. Come on, say it. Such were some of you. Oh, that's good news, guys. Jesus is the answer. To this world's problems. Jesus is the answer to your problems. Your challenges. And he loves you. But we need to get off our high horse. We need to get let go of the pride. That I the created being. that Whose life is as long as a, a breath. Has the right to define what is true. And what is not true. And to tell the creator. What I agree with and what I don't. No, 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 no. Just humble yourself. Just humble yourself. I beg you, just humble yourself. Let go of rebellion. Let go of pride. Let go of arrogance and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will set you free. Amen.
Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.